It's the Desert Island Discs with Flavia on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda. Welcome to Desert Island Discs. Um, till, has it been three years, four years ago? When did you join the party? Well, we were initially people power, as you know. Yes. Uh, from, from around 2018. Yes. But the party was formed in 2020. 2020. So for the last years, you have become a very prominent face and voice. So I'm probably one of the few people who before that did not know yeah. you. Um, or did not know your face, did not know anything about you and got to know you. So this is going to be interesting. I'm going to actually get to know you for the first time. Welcome to the show. Is this your first profile interview? No, I've actually been profiled before. Yeah. Uh, by a local Uganda TV. Luganda. Yeah. You speak good Luganda? I try. These no. days I speak better Luganda than Runyankole. <laughs> These or, days. For that matter, yeah. You have had to learn on the job. Yeah, definitely. Wow. We normally start the show by saying go anywhere in your childhood and drop us there to start your story. Well, I can just say that uh, I had a very uh, tough childhood like many other Ugandans, uh, many other Ugandan children in this country. And um, so what I remember, for example, the, the part that was really tough is when I was in primary school and right. we had to, you know, go and fetch firewood mm. in order to qualify for food. So you Where go, was home? I grew up in uh, Mbarara. My father was working as a veterinary officer in Mbarara. So uh, that's where, uh, where I was uh, born and raised. And uh, when he passed on in 1998, uh, then I had to go to a school called Kanyarieru Primary School uh-huh. in uh, Chiruhura District. Yes. Uh, so that's where I actually had most of the formative years. I was mm. in P4 and uh, I was there up to P7 and I also stayed there up to Senior 4. Oh, wow. But because, you know, the conditions were tough, we had to go and fetch, you know, logs of firewood in order to qualify for food. And uh, to, to qualify for food. Yeah, you just go bring a very big piece of wood and then yeah. you, you just join the line for food. So And this uh, is at home? No, this was at school. This was oh, at school. Okay. I was in a boarding school. So, oh, right, right. Yeah, so if you didn't fetch the firewood, what would the... Then you don't eat. Oh, come on. But the school also needed the firewood to be able to cook So they, they said uh, the two birds, one stone. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this didn't matter what age you were? It didn't matter. We were very, very young at the time. And, uh, you know, because it was a village school, sometimes we would go hunting, mm. sometimes, oh, you wow. know, gathering uh, fruits and that kind of thing. So that is what I remember about my childhood. Mm. Some of the and for someone who's from still that uh, district of Chiruhura, there's not there's been some development, but you can still tell a bit of uh, you know. I wouldn't want to use the word backwardness before I'm fetched by my grandfather. So let me move from that <laughs> word. And and yeah. at home, um, so before dad passed. So first of all, it's you and a couple of siblings, or it's yeah. So my uh, father had other children before us, but right. uh, uh, for my mother, we were five. Five. And that's uh, three uh, boys and two girls, uh, oh, okay. as it were. And I'm yeah. the uh, fourth born, so okay. second last. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. You're the baby. Babies get ignored. <laughs> Not at all. I was the second last, but we were treated equally in many ways. Mm. And especially, you know, when you lose uh, a parent at a young age, mm. you almost have to automatically grow. And yes. look at uh, this mm. situation where you go to a boarding school at that age. Mm. So it was uh, a very, very tough childhood. When you serve a veterinary doctor, even today, they make some good money. So for me, back in the day, I assume but this was a well-off family, at least average, yeah. middle income. But life clearly changed when dad passed. We were having a very, very good childhood until dad that, passed away. That point. Yeah, because I went to a nursery school, a good one at that. Mm. Uh, then I went to a primary school called Shalom Keben in, in Barara. Mm. And up to P3 when he passed on. and then Life to, changed. Then life changed fundamentally. We were having this kind of childhood where you wake up to uh, bread and blue <laughs> band and that kind of yes, thing. And yes. all that changed. 
you have to move from blue band and, and bread Absolutely. to yams and cassava <laughs> you know that that reminds me of my childhood because that happened when my father passed on yeah. um but also for me i always tell people that for me mind didn't drastically change because it had to it changed because african society back in the day is that your father's people if there was anything to own mm. sort of took over that yeah. not your mother who then had to take care of you so it was always that the children either had to go with uncle so and so and so and so and take care of them or you stay with your mother who then you know has to fight through life yeah so i don't know who did you end up with aunties uncles or you stayed with mom uh, we stayed with mom and that was one of the challenges of mm. course uh, the larger family of my father you know put a caveat yeah. on his pension mm. because they said you know uh, the other children the other family members Before who are you, beneficiaries yes. so they should all be taking a portion of this and my mother said no so oh. then there was a caveat yeah. so for for many years we were not getting any money my mother before my father passed on was doing a business which later mm. collapsed so it was a real struggle yeah. it was a very tough time okay um i want to hear your first song choice at this point ah kangutendeleze by message semakula okay yeah I, i don't i don't know what kind of music i expected you to like but i will tell by the third fourth choice uh-huh. what it is
Silent Discs with Flavia on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda. It's yeah. Desert Island Discs. I have uh, David Lewis Rubongoya. Does anybody ever say your name right? How do you say it? You actually said it right. Okay. Rubongoya is yeah. the name. Except that many people here like to call me Rubongoya. Also, the of R is moved to an L. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people instead of the O, they say E. Rubongoya <laughs> and that kind of thing. Well, so. I haven't had that one. Interesting. Rubongoya. Yes. Uh, which is actually not my name. It's my father's name. I I just adopted it. It's not my official name. When uh, you were younger, what were you using in school? So my name is David Lewis. My father was interesting because he called all of us uh, the three uh, boys he had mm. English names only. So my elder brother who passed on was Welcome William. Uh, the other is Charles Edenberg and then me David, David Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. So you took his name later on in life. I took the name I am just using it. I, I haven't officially taken it over. So your if documents you, still today. Yeah. If you look at Lewis. my national ID or everything it's just David Lewis. Your passport reads David Lewis. Yeah. So, so now of course uh, most people know me by Rubongoya and people every time I give someone the ID they say where is the other name? Well, They're always looking for that other name. Uh, oh, but why Rubongoya. why choose that? You could have just gone with David Lewis and accepted that. Later on in life when I had an opportunity to go to Harvard, I was challenged because I mm. found that you know all these other students I was with had names that identify where they come yeah, from. The yes. You know whether it is a person from uh, Spain, Japan, wherever. So I said I cannot be David Lewis because then you know I'm not an Englishman. So Actually I did a poll on Facebook I put a couple of names uh, including Rubongoya yeah. and, and, and other names because I was from this religious background many of them were religious in nature and people said call yourself this this I did a, a Facebook post saying mm. I need to adopt a local name yes but of course later on I thought that uh, I should you know keep the legacy of my father alive mm-hmm. and then decided to adopt Rubongoya Right. I'm, I I like that. I don't know if that that talks more about the relationship you had with your dad even if it was for a short while. How yeah. was that relationship? My father was uh, ma- in many ways like me when I look at myself. Right. Very busy. He was mm-hmm. always on the move. Mm-hmm. But uh, had a very very deep love for his family right. and uh, so he would really really uh, every day he comes back he has to bring something for you. Yeah. And uh, he sings for you when he's eating. Uh, you sit there and then he you know passes on pieces of meat yeah. over to you and yes. that kind of thing so that's the kind of uh, relationship we had and mom uh mom was like a police officer ah. at the time we were always looking at neighbors that right. uh, where the father is very you know good or nice to to kids and the, the, other, one the, the, the other one is the opposite the opposite So my mother was a tough one mm. and I think it was very 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 good for us. She had to be. She had to be. Yeah. It was very very important. Uh, and, and now I appreciate her very very much. She's still alive? She she's still alive by the grace of God. Amen. Yeah. It's a good relationship today. Oh, very very good. <laughs> I mean, I say that not to say that we had a terrible relationship. Yeah. But like You know she was uh, a stickler to discipline she was a disciplinarian uh you know she had a, a rule chiboko mukage zechirajiro like six six strokes eh? so if, if and she, she would actually go through with this of course of oh, course yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean that's when we were in primary school and all that and then she would come and if you've messed up six canes are waiting for you she was tough but i see the value in that Now. it really really helped us a lot so y- most of your primary education you were in the village did you continue with that in secondary school yeah for olevo i was still in uh, a school called ekimboro secondary school mm-hmm. which is again in uh, chirhula district yeah god helped me because i was performing well mm-hmm. uh, i think throughout uh, primary school i was always the first or second in class mm. and that went on even in uh, olevo 
but then later on I, I had to go to another school in Bushenyi called Ngano High School yes. uh, where I was for my A level mm, okay and uh, I don't know much because I don't really think I know many people from Ngano what kind of school is it Ngano is a single uh, sex school mm. boys school and uh, it has uh, had its own challenges now but it was a very good school one of the best in uh, western Uganda mm. uh, in terms of uh, performance academic yeah. performance but also because it's uh, in a metropolitan area in in, in sort of a town people used to run out of school uh, actually it's interesting uh, the first time i had at ngano high school i was dismissed i was expelled from school suspended expelled expelled Sheesh. i was expelled but then because i was the best in in in, in class i had 25 points that semester they had to invite me back to call me back so they expelled you right before the exam results came back you know when you have the last school assembly and then they read the best students and then you go home on the report card mm. dismissed for attending a wedding without permission but now whose wedding was that really it was a neighbor like <laughs> i said it was this was a town school so there was a wedding which we went all of us and attended and then they dismissed many you people you just went to eat food yeah but then the following day when i went to school and i was all distraught and feeling very sad the headmaster called my yeah. mom and said uh, this student should come back because he was the best in in, in class so their hands were tied that's not so, a good of. place to be <laughs> that's not a good place to be yeah um so at this point even if it was the village setting dad has passed on life is like that did, did david lewis know what kind of life he wanted forget the reality he was living in you know yeah. who he wanted to be and what he wanted to aspire to did you already know at that point I think so incidentally one I grew up as a uh, in a very very deeply Christian background so I was actually the chairperson of scripture union even in primary school in secondary school and even when I went to A level I was deeply involved yeah. in scripture union I used to go around preaching uh, hey. sometime on holiday I would even go to the streets that and students? preach yeah and oh. uh, I was always uh, so I I had faith and mm. so I was always moved by faith uh mm. to, to to believe in better things but also because of the school I grew up in uh it, it was a highly politicized environment mm-hmm. if you know that school it many of the people who studied there are children of former soldiers uh, veterans blah blah mm. blah that kind of thing so I started reading books about these people when right. I was young. I remember reading Sowing the Mustard Seed in primary school, uh, What is Africa's Problem, and those kinds of things. So I would say that I, I was politicized at a very, very young, young age. age. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're, you're reading them intrigued. Not necessarily reading them because, you know, so the interest came after you were reading, after you were exposed yeah. Yeah. to it. Um, so you leave high school, you go to Makere. I go to Makere. Yeah. yeah. And you choose law. Yeah. In secondary school uh, actually if you look at uh, the, the politicization even I was a student's leader all through mm. for example in uh, primary I was a prefect in olevo I was a prefect mm. in elevo I became the head prefect of Ngano High School yeah. and also became the president of the you know students leaders mm. of uh, uh, Bushenyi and then yeah. vice president of Western Region and then when I came to campus I became a class president first at, at Makere mm-hmm. Law School then became the president of the law society mm. and went on to become a guild speaker at Makerere. Do we m- misunderstand you when some people in the media I think ever since well people power into noop 
people regard you as very reserved and very quiet and when you when i hear you are prefect of this prefect head prefect leader <laughs> i'm like nobody just goes to such positions quietly because you have to speak up yeah. you have to be able to talk to people you have to be able to get out of a shell so where's, where where do people misunderstand and say you're very reserved for me it's it's always been about track record and service i think i i speak more through action ah. uh, than through words so yeah if you see all the leadership roles I've I've, I've taken on yeah. previously and currently I think I strive to leave a difference mm. and not so much about what I say mm. not so much about uh you know some people say why is he not arrested why is he not I know that time why uh, you not being violent or arguing yeah but you, you know we we are different mm. naturally and sometimes you find that you want to engage intellectually but of course uh, like I said uh, there are times when you cannot even if you're not violent with the kind of system we have mm. where these people come and violently confront violence you like finds you where violence finds mm-hmm. you like during the presidential campaigns when yeah. i nearly died in imbale mm. uh, because uh, of, of the violence that uh, was brought upon us yeah. so i think i'm not necessarily reserved i was a preacher for example and when i get a microphone to speak i, I will speak loudly and assertively mm. yeah but i think i'm always trying to work very hard and versus and, and, talk uh, versus talk yeah right understood so uh, law that was an obvious choice i mean if you were reading books about leaders this is that's something they were always going for because yeah. you either had political science or you had law yeah to go for so it was obvious yeah you were a smart kid so that wasn't a hard course to do it wasn't a hard course to do yeah. but of course you know when when you come from uh, those quote unquote village schools mm. you're sort of intimidated right so i came to law school and you find kids from budo from chitende yeah. from wherever and, and you're trying to find your foot but uh, mm. what was interesting was you know uh, again at law school i started performing very well i was supposed to say, did you beat all of them i beat many of them <laughs> i i would say and uh, Of course by the time of graduation I was among the best mm. in, in my class yeah. and that made me even fight more for justice social justice mm-hmm. uh, because I realized that you know many kids are very brilliant they are yeah. out there in Kapelebiong in Karamoja wherever but they just don't get equal opportunities yeah. at education uh, which is why I think uh, the idea of having uh, a low pre-entry uh, so that you know there is fairness across for the board mm. is good Because previously they would say those who have 24 points 23 points mm. and those are likely going to be from the best schools mm-hmm. and yet you find that there's someone from a school deep down in the village who actually is brilliant and can do very well as a lawyer but if if they were brilliant should, will they not achieve the same points for example that of course i not. yeah i think for example even when i said i was uh, the best i was uh, we were only two people in first grade at, in primary school mm. and at uh, all level but i did not perform well you'd find that amore is uh, for example at 12 i think at p7 but i believe if i was in a better school resources different yeah, environment different environment the teachers the mm, nature of teachers okay. you have right. access to resources like i said we used to go to look for fire fetch firewood mm. in order for you to eat but if you're from a, a school where all that is there you have more time to read access to information and, and all that all these other factors you probably beat the best here Yeah. If you were in the same environment. If I was in the same environment. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your second song choice? Uh I'll go with uh Mama. We talked about my mom, remember? Yes. So I'll go with Mama by Dax Vibes and uh Jim Nola. Hmm. Yeah. It will be my first time listening to that. Oh, it's a very interesting song. Yeah. Uh, talking about the struggles um uh, our mothers go through. Our mothers go through and yeah, so I think I'll go with that. Right. Mama never leave me alone. Kuba kwa ganyo mkwanyo 
kwando Nawanja museno Mama never leave me alone Dear Mama Mama wodi ne wesibya mbawo nga kuyege bise mubinji nawe mama nebi mugwe mbijukira binkabya mama manyitoli bulunji wadde wefulali mama na yensu biza simanyitya neni nokwela bize nakumama mama never leave me alone kubangwa kala nyomo kwano wotali mugwano nabata museno mama never leave me alone Never got a chance to meet you physically But I'm feeling your love every day that goes by Mama Seza kulaba kona yeba ngamba Radio kuzala noza wa mama Nisikara kumisinga Emikisa jewale kanze njambala Wampo kula muze mkwakala Wengulo oza mazika nsangula Yeah Wele sobu kondo webe insome Nalaba katonda na gange sagala ntome Nandwala rwala na ye wafube mbele kome Wanga nukurana na ye kukwe mbube mome We carried the stranger for nine months in your tummy Wanjaga langa tona manyache na vera mami Kole chichi nkuwe chicho manyendi nsima Nonyeze chokusa sula chimbuze vita mabutami He gave me your breast to success That's the reason I got access to success The one sula mukabu yonjo Kurecho kankole mamo gwana yaka moto kakabu yonjo Biba dewi nji mama Nebi mugwe mbiju kila Kabya mama, manyito libulunji wandewe fulari mama Na yensu biza sima nyintia, neni nukwela bize na kumama Mama never leave me alone Kuwa nkwa kala nyomu kwano Wotani mkwano, nawate museno Mama never leave me alone Yes, it's Island Discs on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda. It's uh, Desert Island Discs. That was Mama by Ducks Vibes. And Jim Nola. And Jim Nola. My first time, you know, getting to even know that that song existed. So thank you for introducing me to that. You, you know, sometimes when people are, I used to get flagged for that, especially being in media, being raised by a single parent and a, a single mother. Yeah. At that, there's an assumption that we might not turn out well <laughs> mm-hmm. because we lack father figures or you know that sort of thing. Um, my mother was very intentional with you know certain 
uncles or certain people in society to be that or to play that part for me. Yeah. Did you have any of those people growing up who were father figures in one way or another? Even if it was a mentor in school or somebody who just held your hand? Yeah, actually interesting that there's a gentleman called Pastor Willie Tumuine. Mm. He has a church in Barara, yeah. Holy Spirit Fire Church. And I think he stepped in as a father. Right. Really, really, really uh, contributed a lot to what I have become mm. because he taught us about faith. So when my father died, of course, you know what, what normally happens. You try so many things, mm. many, many things trying to find a, a way out. Yeah. And then we chance upon this church. Then we go, we go in, become born again and that kind of thing. Mm. So that man in many, many ways shaped me you. to the person that I am. Right. So he used to tell us three principles, if I can mm-hmm. just speak about yeah. it very briefly. Sabanyo, kolanyo, wayonyo. Work very hard, pray, pray very hard, hard and, and give. give so much. Yeah. And, and I grew up thinking about these principles mm. that uh, pray so hard, work very hard, and give. And, and give, be generous. And you still live by those oh, principles. Oh, I do. I do. I try my best mm, to live by those principles. Um, everyone who went to Makere <laughs> and took some sort of leadership position, always gives you their own version of what Makere was, you know, the mm-hmm. fire that was, especially anybody who gets into some service or political life. Yeah. How would you describe your time there? I think I was different mm. in the sense that, again, I, I was very interested in services, in, right. in, in trying to serve the people, as opposed to, you know, there are activist leaders and also leaders who are just service-oriented. And, mm. and both are important and, and all have uh, their place. So I remember the, 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 the closest I came to uh, you know, activism w- was when I organized the general assembly at, at, at the law school. Mm-hmm. I said, invited the vice chancellor and others, and said, "Let's talk about these issues." And mm-hmm. good enough, they came. As both did, they show up. Yeah, yeah. They, they showed yeah. up. Uh, there was uh, Professor Bariamule at the time mm-hmm. as the vice chancellor and others, and we, we came and raised, and we gave an ultimatum that if these issues are not addressed, yeah. we shall go on strike mm-hmm. as students. Good enough. Some of the issues which we were raised, we which, which we were raising at the time were sorted and so there was no need for mm. uh, to go on with uh, the plans of a strike. Would you have gone ahead with the strike? Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, when you're in a leadership position, sometimes it's more about what your people want. Uh, right. What, what these people are pushing you to do. Because mm. at the time, they had introduced a 60% thing that you must pay 60% Before you start within the sixth week or yeah. whatever. Uh, and, and students were very angry about it. True. And, and here I was as the president of Law Society and I needed to push uh, these things. Mm. And when I became guild speaker, one of the incidents that happened was uh, one of the GRCs, who's like a, an MP in the, mm. in the government, came and said, we want to move a motion of censure against uh, the guild president, who was uh, Carter Ivan at the time. And being the lawyer, or the lawyer in making <laughs> that I was, yeah. I said, okay, let's have a guild session and, and listen to the petition and mm. go vote on it. Yeah. But like, you know, the Makere politics, then uh, Carter and the team went, mm. uh, went behind there and organized a bunch of other students. Oh, wow. One of them happens to be my close friend now. And they came with, uh, you know, uh, sticks and all that, disorganized the uh, GRC session, and, and, and the, the motion fell flat from there. So you can see where some of the things we see in leadership come from. You're tr- always trying to look for the calm way out. <laughs> yeah. Or the amicable way out of the situation. You spoke about um, going to Harvard. Yeah. That was after mm-hmm. Macquarie University, so you graduate and you want to what? upgrade was no, it immediately so after it was not immediate it was almost immediate after because after my career i went to ldc right for the yes. diploma in legal practice yeah. and while i was there i applied to harvard i applied to another university called mcgill in canada mm-hmm. and i was very very lucky uh one morning i woke up to an email 
saying you've been actually accepted right. to Harvard, which is extremely competitive, as mm. you know. Um, it's, yeah. It's, uh, I did not complete my LDC exams right. because I had to first go to Harvard. Uh, and then I came back in, in the middle. While mm. I was at Harvard, I asked for uh, a week off. Mm-hmm. I came, did LDC final exams and went back. Wow. Yeah. I've not had a, a part of this life where you're working. Most of us were at campus working and studying. You weren't doing that. No, I was a student's leader, like I say, yeah, for so, most of the so time. So that sort of helped. Yeah. Because I'm trying to imagine if you come from a place where no one is giving you or handing you money. Mm-hmm. How are you able to pay through school? How are you, or were you on sponsorship? I was on sponsorship, actually. Yeah. But uh, later on, I did clerkship, of course, here and there. Mm. But I was also a student's leader. And every once in a while, you, you get these opportunities mm. where you're able to really uh, survive. But I would also say that uh, at Makerere, I did not have a, a lavish uh, lifestyle. Where you needed so a lot say, of money. Where I needed a lot of money. I was saying in Chikoni at some mm. time, in, at some point in Chikumi Chikumi, where you you just go and uh, uh, get you know stuff. I've not experienced it, but I'm told Chiko, for each 100 shillings, you get something. That was a the situation then. <laughs> of it has changed now. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, you'd go Chikumi Chikumi, and there's posho for 100, yes. beans for 100, and that yeah. kind of thing. That's why it's called Chikumi Chikumi. Brilliant idea. Whoever started that eh, needs to have really patented it because that's yeah, brilliant. It was very brilliant. Yeah. So you go to Harvard and then midway come back to finish yeah. LDC exams, LDC then go exams. back and then go back to Harvard to Harvard to finish my course. But what did you want to be? I get leadership, but did, were you eyeing something in particular? First of all, I was looking up to some people like uh, Professor mm-hmm. Joe Loka Onyango, uh, mm. Dr. Businja Kabumba, mm. who had just returned from Harvard at the time. Right. And these are people that you you look up to, very mm. brilliant submissions, very brilliant thoughts and, yeah. and arguments. So those, in a way, inspired me actually to apply, to want to do my master's right. immediately after. But I also, I always want to get the best that I can. So... Mm. Uh, why not apply to Harvard and uh, and try to get that kind of education? So that adds something, right? It's not. It's not. People don't because people assume when you say, "I went to Harvard," automatically people respect you. But for you, who's actually done it, been there, mm. does it add something for real as close in the world? It does it does yeah. so much? Not so much in terms of uh, the knowledge you get, actually. Really, but in terms of the connections you make, uh. in terms of the uh, the world view that you get. Mm-hmm. I think for me going to Harvard was this moment of uh, almost getting a fresh brain mm. because you've grown up in the kinds of schools I told you, you've come to Makerere, yeah. the situation is almost similar. For example, I was so much an ardent fan of uh, the NRA regime. I, I was, I was, really? Yeah. You know, I was uh, always organizing meetings, mm. attended by Genome Seveni, by yeah. all these people uh, as a guild leader and all that. But one of the things that happened to me when I went to Harvard, of course, it gives you a fresh understanding of justice, of mm-hmm. human rights. So even when I was uh, passionate about human rights, I did not appreciate it in its full uh, uh, context. Context, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Everyone who has veered away from the NRM, as we know it today, has their own reasons why, in the first place, they believed in NRM. <coughs> what was the positive you saw before the world view that you got later on at Harvard? Positive, I saw as in writing. You see, these people wrote very good documents. Mm-hmm. And if you read Sowing the Mustard Seed, you see people who are really well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Mission to Freedom, which I also read at, as a, at a young age. And when you read about it, they're talking about corruption. Leaders should not use public offices for their personal gain. Uh, 
Africa's problem is leaders who overstay in power. In 2016, I said, they let me vote for this uh, man for the very last time. Okay. After he had said that uh, he was never going to run beyond 75 years. So I thought, okay, this is the last time I'm doing this. I, I, I don't agree with most of the policies at this point, but because of stability and all that, we'll, we'll see a change. Mm. And of course, that was not to be. Then they started talking about removing the age limit and uh, and all that. So I, I had to, you know, completely switch. Separate, yeah, right. Uh, from from them. What's your third song choice? Now that we've uh, spoken about some of uh, the factors that shaped my my decision, I think I would go for a song by Bobby Wine. Mm-hmm. Called Chikomando. No, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> of all the options. Yeah, interesting. I, that's uh, <laughs> that's one of the songs I, I yeah. love most about it. Okay. It speaks to hard work, it speaks yeah. to uh, determination and many Hits for Uganda. It's Desert Island Dis. Um, David Lewis, and now he has adopted his father's name, David Lewis Rubongoya. And your third choice was Bobby Wine's uh, Chikomando. Yeah. Wouldn't be the option anyone would have expected, but it's, yeah. it's good music. Yeah. You are the Secretary General of, now it's the National yeah. Unity Platform, NUP, yeah. as many people would call it. And actually, the song we just listened to, Bobby Wine, he is the president of the party. Yeah. Um, where do the paths cross? For you and then it was people power, yeah. right? When, when, and what's what are the circumstances where your paths cross? So when I came back, I became a, a lecturer 
at two universities, that's the International University of East Africa. Yeah. I also got a job at Cavendish and started teaching and a couple of other things that I was doing at the time. Right. So one day I moved into the dean's office and he said, oh, um, the president is in class. And I said, which president? <laughs> I, I didn't know who he, he meant. <laughs> said Bobby Wine. Yeah. So I go to my class uh, that evening and find mm. uh, uh, our president, uh, Chagulanyi Center, seated in, in, class. In, in class. Yes. And of course, I was starstruck, but I had to pretend that I'm not. Right. As, as, as any, had you uh, liked his music before? I was not so much a, a ghetto person, to, so to say. Mm. So I knew him as a ghetto president, and, and he was also a philanthropist doing all these right. things. So I liked him at that level, mm-hmm. although we had never interacted or we, have nev- we had never met. So at this time, it was lecturer to student. That's so what, that was the relationship. Student relationship. Yeah. You know, and I started teaching him, and uh, later on, I started noticing certain things about him. First right. of all, my classes, which is something I, I learned at Harvard, because, you mm. know, here in Uganda, we do a lot of um, theory. Mm. But one of the things you see about American education is that they do a lot of practical, but also a lot of thought, intriguing education. So yeah. a lecturer will come, a professor will come into class and ask you really to exercise your to brain. To trigger you to yeah. think. Exactly. To, yeah. And so that's something I brought. And then we started having very in- intense debates about yeah. what was going on. Mm. And I found uh, the Honorable Chagorin to be extremely intelligent to be extremely um, knowledgeable about what was going on. Interesting. So that is, we were a student lecturer. Mm. Then one time he calls me and says, you know what, I'm not going to be able to attend your class because mm-hmm. I have a show on the weekend. I didn't even know where I got my number from. Okay. But I found that very respectful because, mm-hmm. you know, many students will just go and disappear yeah. and you don't even get to see them. Mm. So one time he calls me and invites me for uh, a show. He was doing a show at Usabala. <laughs> Ida because for mm. that matter. I spoke with some lawyer friends of mm. mine and then we said let's go and attend the, the, the show. Yeah. But when I went there I was struck by the numbers of people who were there. Mm-hmm. And of course he used his music to talk about the injustice that were going right. on, even when he was not into politics. Mm-hmm. And and that again registered. Mm-hmm. So we started having discussions about mm-hmm. what is going on in the country, what can we do. Here I was as a lecturer, always speaking about these things. Mm. He was here as a singer, Practical. singing about them. So he said, you know what, let's do something about it. Let's just not talk about it and mm. sing about it. He let's wasn't MP at the time. He wasn't MP at the time. Mm. And, and so that's how we started coming up with these ideas. Then uh, uh, when uh, the seat fell vacant in Chadondo, mm. of course he told me about it and uh, encouraged him. And uh, mm. even the Chadondo campaigns, I went there, uh, saw what was going on, saw the energy, the vibe. When they arrested him, he said, let's show them that people power is stronger than the people in power. You Ooh, know? okay. And he said that and, and uh, it became it a catchy. frenzy. It was catchy. Mm. After the campaigns and he won, you know, with a huge percentage, mm. people started asking him what next, what next, what yeah. next, what next. So we had engagements. Mm. Then we, one of the things we did was to come up as a group of people. He had met different people in different spaces. Mm-hmm. I also knew some people from different spaces. Mm-hmm. So we, we came together as a, as a, as a team. Mm-hmm. We had a retreat where we Wow, you, you, went, you guys were serious about yeah, this? Yeah, of course. We had a, a retreat. <laughs> we were very deliberate and, mm-hmm. and said, you know, we need to do something about what's going on in the country. And then at mm-hmm. the time we said, should we form a party or uh, be a social wow. movement? Should we do this or this? Many, many discussions we had. And then from there, that's how the People Power Movement started. There's a time, for example, we were moving in, in his car, in a Tundra vehicle at mm. the time, when we was, uh, you know, we were starting out to know each other and mm. uh, uh, work on these ideas. And so he explained to me the economy of a woman who sells butter, mm. uh, cooking oil. 
And I was like, wow, this is something I had never thought about. Mm. So you found that he had a very, very good understanding of the common people. Right. And then I realized why the common people loved him a lot. Mm. Gravitated towards him. Yeah, yeah, because he was telling me, you know, so, so he's able to tell you that uh, this is the profit she will make to be able to take the children to school, for yeah. example, to be able to do this. And of course, the struggles which they go through. Mm. How can we make life better for them? Easier. Uh, reducing taxes and that mm. kind of thing. So which stories you don't hear many celebrities talk about. Mm. Yeah, but for him, he was always very, very clear and intentional about uh, talking about the plight of the common people. I guess also because he had lived it for so long. So Definitely. Yeah. Knew it. I think there was an assumption by people that you were just handpicked somewhere in the middle of the struggle, as you call, you guys call it, yeah. and thrown into a position. Yet mm. from the story you are weaving is that you both had different perspectives but met yeah. you know, into one and made it something. Yeah. It, it, isn't it hard to then decide who is for us and and who's against us when you're building from ground up. Mm. Because, I mean, when you read the Master's Seed and all of that, when you were reading about the NRM, everybody was having one clear goal and people were pretty much the same then and said, let's all go to war. Yeah. Is it the same energy when you're getting the right people to be in a party like yours? No, it's different, uh, diff definitely different. Uh, because, you see, military struggle mm. is different from a political yes. struggle that's involved in. Because you look at these guerrillas, they had, uh, you know, if you mess up, they execute you. They, mm. they, they, they put you in uh, Ndachi. They do all sorts of things in terms of punishment. Mm. So there's a strict code of discipline. Yeah. And uh, you don't have access to your phones, your family, mm. and all that kind of thing. But in this kind of uh, political environment, you meet all sorts of people. You're just actually relying on the energy which, mm. which someone brings. Gives you, yeah. If, if your actions and words support what we are doing, the objectives that we are involved mm -hmm. in, then you're a comrade. Right. But once we start seeing you via off mm. uh, what we are trying to do, then of course uh, we start saying, Labisa, uh, <laughs> this person is, not, is no longer with us. Not does it take, would it take yeah. to change everything that we believe is not right about our country? Because you know how long a term of office is. Yeah. No, I think, first of all, change does not really come in quickly. It, uh -huh. it takes, it takes yes. a bit of time. Especially if, if you have a country that is messed up like we are right now, with all institutions under capture. With, uh, so you just need to set priorities. Mm. For example, if we uh, came to power today, some of the things that we would begin with would be education and healthcare. And I think that is very easy to fix. Has there been a day or a time, even if it was behind the scenes and we never got to know, where there was a moment of dialogue between NUP and the NRM? No, we've not had a dialogue. Have you asked for one? No, we have not. They have, you know, asked for it, but we, okay. they, are, they have not asked for a genuine dialogue. They have asked for iPod, for example, you know that? Mm, yes. And we've said that uh, clearly you cannot put your, your, your boot on my neck and say, let's dialogue. We believe that dialogue should be among equals. It should be uh, people who are free mm -hmm. to sit on the table and say, let's discuss these things that are going wrong in, the, in this country. And you don't believe that would happen? No. Uh, and, uh, the, the, you know, General Museveni and his people believe in cooptation. Mm -hmm. So some people have approached me and said, what, what do you want? And that's not tempting, yeah? It's, it, it, it's because I have a higher calling and a higher goal. So... Every time people come up with that, I say, you know what? The dialogue we are, we are interested in, it's not that we are not 
uh, looking at the need of dialogue. They, they, mm-hmm. It would be very good for us to have a dialogue yes. as a country. But let it be a genuine dialogue. Let it be transparent. Mm-hmm. You know, let it not be kukusa as if you're just going to sit somewhere and strike a deal. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be a deal. It should be the, a discussion that is transparent, that mm-hmm. is open, that is genuine and well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. And we've said the, the first agenda item uh, for that dialogue should be transition. Mm-hmm. How do you transit from this regime to, to, the, to a government, which will, from a military regime to a democratic government? Those are come, some of the conditions we've put in place, and we've uh, written down our, our view of dialogue that, mm-hmm. that should be happening in this country. Um, I, 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 I wonder, because you obviously we're in a generation where there's social media, there's conversations, you're on the pulse of what's being said by the public. I mean, after all, you do believe in people, power. Yeah. Um, there's sides, there are those who are absolutely, devoutly loyal to you guys yeah. and won't hear a thing that's different from that. Mm. And then those who absolutely question mm. everything about Noop. Yeah. And will say things like perhaps your you, some of your members are in cahoots with NRM or some of your members are earning money a certain way or some of you know this and that and they'll say it. Yeah. Um do you ever strive to say maybe this allegation we should tank it before it rises or even if it has risen let's fight it or do you just move on and let it slide? No, we believe in time. I personally mm. believe in time. Right. I believe in time. I believe that time reveals everything mm-hmm. uh, and time will uh, exonerate those who are actually right and it will condemn those who are not right. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I like to give things time. And that's one, one thing that I've actually learned from our president and his wife and uh, mm. how they normally let some things go on. People will say this, but time proves them right mm-hmm. uh, uh, all the time because... You know, you cannot keep fighting everything. And now, especially in the age of social media, uh, you remember during the election, uh, Twitter shut down very many bots of the regime which were yeah. there to abuse NUP and call it names. So, like those people, they, they run social media accounts where every day they'll be bringing this allegation against NUP. They say this, they say that. So, and you cannot really keep responding to that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that that's one of the challenges you have. But... We continue uh, focusing on measuring on the major mm-hmm. and choosing to minor on the minors. Uh, that's a challenge that is from outside in. Yeah. Um, those are easy to deal with because mm-hmm. then you can, like you said, choose to ignore. Yeah. But there are challenges that are from in. Yeah. Um, as a party, obviously, you've now known what all the other parties have gone, gone through. through yeah. 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 Is yeah. there any challenge you might want to share with us? Of course, like I said, um, and, and yesterday I was thinking about writing a piece about it, uh, mm. how the regime has survived. They, you know, they use so many tricks. Right. One of them is uh, propaganda, sponsored propaganda. Mm. But the other, which the regime has uh, mastered, is to use human greed. Mm-hmm. To say people are inherently greedy and therefore we are going to uh, compromise as many as we can. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a challenge that you keep getting. Ah, um, right. Leaders, like I was saying, you have mm. a member of parliament elected under NUP. Mm. And you find the person saying something completely different. <laughs> the person says this today, tomorrow they are saying uh, mm. something else. So that's a, a challenge. Mm. Uh, but like you said, it's not the first time we are, we, are fe- we are not the first party facing this. FDC has gone through this. DP, when it was still truly in the opposition, uh, faced similar challenges and all that. And, uh, mm. and I believe we shall continue to work hard. And overcome this it doesn't shake the party when you see a few people 
start to accept or, t- or be triggered by the greed? Uh it doesn't shake the idea. Okay. You know, um you can bribe as many people as you want. Mm. You can compromise even me today. Mm. If they came and compromised me, the, the the idea which the people of Uganda are standing on will still remain. Even if our president or whoever gets compromised, the idea cannot die because the idea is that people deserve better. You know, if I get a billion for example and go and sell out, will that change the lives of the people of Karamoja? Will it change the people who are suffering down in in Chikubo or the young people who are unemployed? So and as long as those issues remain, the people will continue agitating for change. For us we are just the vanguards of this revolution. But tomorrow they could if we decide to veer off the path, they will replace us with others. And and we will start following another person who actually stands by those ideas. And that's why we are constantly checked. That's why we are constantly reminded that mm-hmm. we are not in this for good. We are here to safeguard the, the, the revolution of the people of Uganda for, for a better life and uh, for, for, for uh, better government. As I hear you say that, you're trying to tell me that Noop is able to survive beyond yeah. the oh, name Bobby Wine, is. beyond David Lewis, beyond every other. It is. It is yeah. able to. And that's why we are working very hard. You saw us amend our constitution recently, mm-hmm. put term limits to establish institutions, yeah. strong departments and all that. Because we want our party to be able to survive, mm. to, to be there beyond our, our, ourselves who are there now. Right. You're not somebody who's approaching their 60s that I'm going to ask, you know, what's this next phase of life mm-hmm. going to hold for you? You you could potentially become a president here in the country at some point. Yeah, you, why not? Why not? Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for now, let's first uh, um, ensure that our president, Chagulani, becomes president of Uganda. Right. Because I believe he won the election and uh, mm-hmm. he was elected but rigged out. So and you could have been vice president. Maybe or, or even yes. anything else because right. it's really not about the position, position. you hold. Mm. It's about what you're able to do for the people mm. and to serve them and make sure that... Uh, their lives improve for the better. Right. As as we wrap, I mean, being in the younger generation and also being in a party that serves and has a lot of young people, what excites you about seeing young Ugandans? Whether it's their intelligence, their energy, how they approach things. Um, let's go away from people who think it's a time bomb to have young people anywhere mm. <laughs> because of their excitement. And Nora, what, what have you learned from the young generation that excites you yeah I, let me just talk about the ghetto people first mm-hmm. of all me i grew up in a very different setting from these people that uh, i now <laughs> uh, work with mostly mm. and i can tell you that they are such an interesting group of people right how i wish uh, people come and interact with them because they are always misunderstood people think oh in the ghettos they are just thieves they are, hooligans, yeah, yeah. They are thugs mm. but you know what i learned is that there is more thuggery in parliament than in the ghettos there's more thuggery in cabinet than in the ghettos these are very hardworking people, first of all. They are trustworthy. Many of them, uh, you know, sometimes when they are stealing phones and whatever, uh, some of them who do th- that stuff, it's actually because of the conditions they go through. Someone has not eaten a meal for all these days and, and then they end up there. But I found that they are, many of them are entrepreneurial. They are ingenious. They are able to, uh, they are innovative which is a, a side that many people don't get to, to, to see. Mm. And when I came to the ghettos for the first time, uh, our president brought me in Mpola Mpola, like <laughs> gradually. <laughs> right. Then I started interacting with these people and I found them to be people who actually have families, mm. who respect their wives, who have a lot of, and if they are women, who respect their husbands. Mm. So it's, dif- it, it's, it's, it's dif- different when you're looking at them from outside. From, from outside. Mm. 
and i think that explains majority of the people of uganda they are entrepreneurial they are and they are good people ugandans you know we are known to be very hospitable yes. to yeah so so i think we we are good people mm. just give us chances make sure we have jobs make sure these young people have opportunities yeah. and then you'll see the magic the that they can be wow well thank you for making time for this thailand discs i want to hear your final song prisoner uh by lucky dube thank you so much david lewis rubongwe for coming to desert island discs i'm very honored and thank you so much and uh greetings to all those listening in to us Oh, 
Flavia on Capital FM. Fresh hits for Uganda.